Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the Engage Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And we're back. We are back after we a much-deserved break over Christmas and New Year. Uh, we hope you're all safe. Um, yeah, we're yeah. back for it for 2021 for yeah, lots oh, more episodes and things. Um, I'm, so, I'm so glad. I mean, obviously not not. Not for the podcast, just personally. I'm just very glad that 2020 is gone now. I think we all God, are. Sorry. I think we all are, Jamie. Yeah, um, Yeah, as you better tell from the title, we are going to be doing a Starship profile on the USS Rio Grande. So the yes. the main survivor, surviving runabout shuttle seen on um, Deep Space Nine. And actually, this is our very first ever profile of a shuttle as well, which is quite cool. Yes. Well, I chose that because after the mess up that happened with the Enterprise, I wanted something safe that we could actually put our fingers on rather than get wrong. Yeah, I do remember with the Enterprise where we we missed out quite a bit. We we got a bit confused. (laughs) Um, So we're using a myriad of different sources. So we've got so what is it? Memory Alpha, the technical yep. manual, because Star- why not? Yep. Um, the Starship oh, Spotters book, and yep. the I keep forgetting the name of this damn thing. What's the Dickens is it called? Oh, wrong page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ha- handbook. Got... Something handbook. What are I always going about? Starship one. Starship Handbook 105. There we go. We got there in the end. We got there. So we're going to be using all of those. So they relatively say the same thing, but we'll be using a mixture of it. One thing is Memory Alpha has got things on it about its service history, although immediately it says on it it doesn't have everything, so we know it doesn't have everything, but we're just going to read what it has on there because there's too much to watch in Deep Space Nine to get its full history so yep. we're just going to concentrate on what it's got written down there because why not and there's a lot of very detailed technical specs that we can go into that we do know yeah is, so is that right good, yeah that's right we've got a good mixture of we've got a good mixture of both um obviously we also obviously um want to say obviously that we are currently obviously england well the whole uk is basically back in national lockdown um, so for the foreseeable future, we don't know for how long, but we're going to be recording our episodes, obviously, on Skype. Yes. So, because we, we honestly don't know how long it's going to be, guys. Because so remember see. how much we loved it last year, so we're carrying on. Yep. Brilliant. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's good to be back, I must admit. I said, I, I hope you guys all had a nice Christmas and New Year, whatever your circumstances because um, obviously you know particularly here I'm not sure about anywhere else but especially in the UK obviously it was, it was very hard to meet up and stuff so we literally couldn't um, so yeah but it was I, I, I think we both had a nice Christmas and New Year didn't we so considering yeah so uh, and yeah it's just as you, as usual it's, it's we haven't recorded in a few weeks so if, if we sound a bit off kilter just bear with us um, I think that's always the case, isn't it? When we come back from when we when we start the new year and when we come back from our hiatus in August and way so. But um, yeah, um, was there anything else you wanted to say, Sai? Or um, no, not for now. 
I did like your intro with the hello, hello, hello. What, what, what made you come up with that? Yeah, something different. Why not? Are you gonna, are you gonna say, are we gonna sign off the same way? Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Nah. Nah, okay. <laughs> well, maybe for our next episode, when we do our um, season one of retrospective of Star Trek Picard, maybe I'll try and come up with a different kind of intro or something. We'll see. That Jamie, no doubt, will forget about in the next episode, but yes, go for it, Jamie. I may surprise you, but I won't definitely say that because I probably will forget you. <laughs> um, right, so should we uh, kick off our first episode of 2021? Uh huh. Okay, so obviously I said, Simon said uh, we're going to be doing about the USS Rio Grande because all the shuttles were named after Earth Rivers, wasn't they? That's correct. Yeah. Do you know if there was any particular reason for that? You might have told me this before. But... Um, no, because I think the, the uh, production team was like a bit of logic, really. Just because it made sense, because they had a series of different shuttles, so they just wanted a, a different um, Danube-class shuttles, so it made sense that they all came after rivers. There's plenty of rivers, so... Why not? Yeah, no, I just, I just wondered. There was a run. It intrigues me. I mean, I think it fits, so why not? Um, so where do you want to start from, side? Do you want to start from Memory Alpha? Or do you want to use one of... Because obviously... Just to bear in mind, guys, I've only got. I said I've Simon Simon's um, Starship one, and what was the other one you said you have? The one I don't have. I have, I think, four sources in front of me. Yeah, I only have two, but that's absolutely fine. Um, really, what would be quite cool, Jamie, if you read um the first thing it says on the tech manual, I think that'd be a good place to start. Oh, the, the what's the what's the, the about? Uh, I forget. Danube? Danube. Danube, thank you. See, I, knew I told you before we got going. Yes, I know you. <laughs> Danube. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Danube. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is from the... Um, so, what is it? Right from the top, yeah? Yeah, just read that first big paragraph. Okay. Um, the runabout is a true multi-role starship with engine efficiencies and cargo capacities proportional to larger vessels larger vessels. Uh, the Danube class project began as a vehicle study in 2363 at the ASBDB for a ship that could perform uh, a variety of scientific resupply and personnel transfer missions. Do you know what, sorry Jeremy, do you know what ASDB stands for? I don't know. It stands for the Advanced Starship Design Bureau. Bureau. Design Bureau, yeah? Yeah. Ah, is that one of your other sources I haven't got? No, it's just something that I I forgot that I knew that I I didn't knew did know but I forgot that I knew so I had to search it and write it down on the pa- bit of paper. Yeah, we've got to bear in mind that this is very technical. This this manual says so going to well, you guys probably know if you've got it. So just be aware it's going to be probably a lot of big words I'm assuming. And as I've yeah. previously stated, the DS9 tech manual is actually not too bad. Oh god, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember you telling me compared to the TNG one. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, anyway, um, the prototype USS uh, Danube. Danube. Danube, thank you. Danube. NX72003 was ordered, was ordered constructed. Ordered and constructed. I was going to say, was ordered and constructed and 
Utopia Planitia Fleet Yards in 2365 and began flight trials of the surface of Mars in early 2368. The finished vehicle measured 23.1 metres in length, 13.7 metres of beam and 5.4 metres tall. As the Danube was making its way, making its preliminary warp tests within the solar system, the first production series was well along into its final assembly cycle. The five, first, first five runabouts to be delivered to the fleet inventory were the USS Rio Grande, which is obviously the one we're going to be talking about, USS Macon, USS, USS on Orinoco, USS Yang, uh, Yangtze Kang, we'll go with that, and USS Rubicon, all named after Earth's rivers. And all survived to Deep Space Nine. Yes. As it happens. So, <laughs> so there you go. That's just a brief intro to the, the new class runabout, and obviously, yeah. Um, um, the Rio Grande was one of the th- three runabouts offloaded at DS9 by the USS uh, Enterprise D. Obviously, in um, uh, the emissary. Yeah. Was it um, out of the out of the ones they had at DS9? Wasn't that the only one that actually survived the whole series run through? It is, although it's a. I think. Um, it's a little bit tenuous because in the handbook it also says that the, uh, possibly another two survive, but I, I'm not sure they were seen on the screen. But so I think officially it's the only one to survive that's been seen on screen. I think. But the couple of others could have worked just as well off screen, kind of. Possibly, yeah. So yes. it's so technically I think you're right and that's that's why it's a bit of a thing in kind of fan circles and interestingly yes I every fan knows this but it's always quite cool timescape is the only time you see the aft uh, compartment of one of these runabouts it is yeah which everyone knows but I just think it's quite a cool tidbit and it's just it's a shame it was never used in DS9 itself. It really was. I think that would have, been, would have been quite cool in, say, one of the ones where they're trying to evacuate everyone and you can kind of see all these massive people on the back. Mm. I mean, maybe it was a case of... It, it's always see. down to budget. It's always down to budget, Jeremy. Probably. But, I mean, surely if they'd used it in Timescape, surely they would have kept that section that they'd shown in the aft compartment. So you couldn't you just reuse it if needed? No, because it's taking up valuable real estate on a some stage so I think that probably got destroyed instantly which is a Moment, real yeah. shame yeah I mean maybe they just figured they couldn't, didn't want to use it again or as you say they didn't think they would use it again or maybe they would do so it was just budgetary constraints which is the most likely explanation you see you do have I'd to wonder it. when it was used and it would probably only have been used in the first what f- four seasons when did it find introduced was it three or four I always get confused three so possibly the only first two seasons and then in those two seasons when can you see the aft compartment being used i'm not quite sure so that's a, it was never used was it in ds9 no that's what well, that's what i mean it's like where would you what excuse could you come up with uh, to use it well as you say probably the only one i could use as you mentioned was probably if, if you're getting people to evacuate the station and there were a few instances where that did happen because so, the characters popping in the back, there's no real point you digging that um, that section of um, set out just for the 
for someone just to wander around and put something in the bag. There's no point. That's probably why they didn't do it. But as you say, I agree with you. It is a shame it was never used again after Timescape. But, um, you know, and obviously, I mean, it, I see it did get damaged a lot, but didn't it a few times? But did always came back on top. I think probably the most notable time, probably when it was really, was when it crashed in. Um, oh, uh, the Sen. Yeah, Sen, yeah. So. Uh, but I think you see at the end, didn't you, the Defiant is lift, lifts it up, doesn't it, off the planet with the tax boom, doesn't it? Yes, I, I, I don't remember, I haven't seen that episode in like, forever, so... Well, I'm not, uh, I, I think so, it does say in it, just kind of yeah. it gets repaired. Sandwich. and yeah, so... Um, but, but uh, here's a fault thing, I mean, uh, is there a... I mean, this, this is probably a really silly silly thing to, to, to ask, but I'm going to just throw my thought out there. Do you think there's a certain limit to how long shuttles last? I mean, like, say, say I know obviously you'll, you always try and maintain and repair them, obviously, when needed, but say you did, do you reckon there would be a, just a certain limit after a certain amount of years of use? It's, it's a space frame, so you look at the age of the Excelsiors and Miranda's, and they were around for a century. So there's no no reason to believe that the runabouts are around for half that, so maybe 50 years. And you're always going to get progress, so some ships will get retired eventually, or they will get decommissioned if that ship is not not worth the time and effort in production it producing it. So the you know like Crossfield, you know there's only two of them produce. Um, then there's Sawyer's as well, you know, the um, Bozeman. Mm. You know, that so, went, that was decommissioned because that wasn't, that didn't work. But they produced thousands of um, Danube class shuttles of runabouts, they really did. So that was one of the success because it's kind of. Because the whole reason it came about is they wanted the crew to get accessible in the first two seasons before the Defiant came along but not give them a fully fledged starship which is a bit ironic because they did eventually give them one yeah exactly I mean but I think you know and and I think you know these these, these runabouts including um, the Rio Grande they, it did get quite a bit of use particularly in the first couple of seasons I mean they did still in the latter season seasons as well but not as much don't think they wouldn't have needed to but um, but it did get used fairly frequently, didn't it? And the other think... shame of the thing about the African apartment is we've also, talking about that, is the fact that it was an equipment pod, so it could be interchangeable with different mission types. So it's a shame we didn't see one of, um, something being put in the back that could do something different than just being a passenger compartment. I think that's another missed opportunity I wish they'd use as well. So, I mean, I was just, I'm just looking um, down at, um, on Memory Alpha, about the appearances, and it looks, I'm just seeing how many times it used. So, I mean, this is just a rough, rough guess, but it looks like it, it was used in the series at least 25 to 30 times. So, that's quite a lot. Um, 
it was used. You know, so. Oh, definitely. If it was, it was a good bookmark because it say it was in emissary. It's the one that discovered, uh, Bajoran wormhole, and it was yep. the one that took Cisco to Vajor to the, the fire caves. So it really is the kind of secondary ship of Deep Space Nine after the Defiant. Yeah, and actually, what what's interesting is just from that little tidbit, it, 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 the the Grand, it kind of in a way you could you could argue it kind of it represents the beginning of the sh- beginning of I said the show the show or, or Cisco's journey as the emissary, and then kind of when he's going to the fire caves, that's kind of near the, that's kind of the end of that part of his journey, isn't it? So it's like the Rio Grande is kind of like his vessel, isn't it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just it's just just interesting. I mean, you know, we we haven't. It's actually quite uh, intriguing doing this and enjoyable because we haven't done shuttle before. So, um, should we read more bit about? Um, should we read a bit more on the technical manual, or did you want to use one of the other sources? Or I mean, we can <laughs> kind of go anywhere with this, can't we? Really. Um. So what else does it say? So from the Starship Spotter. Uh, it says, while still technically a Starship de- designation and not a shuttle, hence the application of the USS and the assignment of an individual M- NCC registration to each runabout, the class could supplement the fleet for certain specialised tasks. Several previous Starship concepts went into the design of the Daniel class runabout, the gold creating Starfleet's most refined and cutting edge a vessel to support a focused limited duration mission. The specific mission objectives of the Danube class runabout include rapid response scientific expedition transportation, orbital or landing base for scientific research missions, which are kind of what happened in the Gemadar, I'd say, uh, transport for experiment and cargo modules, emergency and tactical mission support. Mission objective would only be limited by onboard supplies of fuel, weapons and consumables so it really was a kind of jack of all trades really is what it was designed to do and even the cockpit set was a kind of jack of all trades because you look at how many times they reuse that set and that's countless than you can believe because that is what they used in insurrection for what is probably my favourite shuttle design ever, the Type 11. That is a redress of the Danube shuttle set. Oh, okay. It didn't they use the Type 11? Wasn't that used in Voyager as well? No. I wasn't, I'll beg your pardon. No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but yeah. Um... So it, it's just an amazing ship, and I just thought, alright, that's it. After what happened then, I'm just going to play it safe and just go something that is relatively easy to do it's not gonna it was there for that seven years and we know exactly what it was there for and it 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 had quite a lot of heft to it as well 158.7 metric tons a crew of two to four cruising speed of warp four maximum of warp 8.3 which actually isn't bad but really it was 8.3 yeah. Wow, that is for for a show. That is actually impressive. I did. I. I. It probably was mentioned in the show, but I always thought it was. It could only reach like five or six. So that's impressive. 
Um, the armament's even more amazing. A six type six phaser arrays, two mark twenty five photo uh, micro photon torpedo launchers, which is just incredible. Just kind of you look at the technical manual, and they show the size of these micro um, torpedoes, and they are they are small. Yeah, because um, I'm just looking at the, um, the tactical systems on on the tech manual saying. Um, um, to carry no armaments beyond the six standard phaser strips mounted two forward, two on the cells, and two on the aft living module. Um, in recent years, the operations on the Alpha Quadrant have seen a deployment of 13.3 centimeter micro torpedoes, as well as delivery systems built into the multiple modules to carry these four full size photon or quantum torpedoes. So, um, yeah, it obviously it's had a big it obviously had a big upgrade there. Um, uh, the launch of a photon or quantum torpedo from the runabout involves a fire and forget system in the absence of a magnetic tube launcher. The guidance navigational package of the torpedo tends to keep to the program course, but may have difficulty during the first 3.7 seconds of powered flight. After that, the the guidance demands are significantly reduced while the torpedo set, um, set, uh, set is down in the was that plus Z direction, whatever that means. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of its armaments, it's actually quite impressive, isn't it? You know, um, and I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, was there, I'm trying to, trying to think back to the Rio Grande, I mean, was there were a few instances where it did go up against a big, it did go up against a, an alien ship or whatever, didn't it? Um, the Jemadar were up against uh, Jemadar attack ships and really did not fare too well. None of them did. Nah, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, um, yeah, they, I mean, because obviously at that they hadn't did well they, for, a, for a brief period before the Jemadar decided to ram it, well, to go on a suicide run you had the USS Odyssey didn't you well that, that's the thing they were trying to the whole point of that was to show that even with stuff it's most advanced ship you know kind of Enterprise D they wanted to use a sister ship to it to just show how powerful the Jemadar were so they, that's why they destroyed the Odyssey hmm. um, and you look at you know the uh, Romulan war, uh, runabouts I don't know if I said Romulan warbirds but you look at the runabouts and they tried to do what they could but they did not touch them at all and you've got to think that Jemadar uh, ships as well were very were very they moved quite fast and very manoeuvrable weren't they very manoeuvrable very well armed and very well uh, shielded yeah so it was just kind of so like, I mean the really pop, pop guns it's like pea shooters yeah. like just kind of well yeah, we're exactly. here we might as well try it and just mm, couldn't succeed. Um, what else is there? So, because I've got quite a few other odd stats in the Starship Spotter. Because I, I just read those stats from um, the handbook. Uh, duration for standard mission was one to two weeks. Recommended yard overhauls 15 months. Um, is there anything in interesting? Oh, do you mean yard over? Do you mean like, like guiding for repairs and like maintenance and stuff? Um, yeah, 
that basically yeah. means yeah so every year it would go overall kind of go back and, yeah, yeah just we should expect kind of that sort of thing that's why you look at other ships so let's see if we can find the enterprise d um yeah recommended yard overalls 20 years so it shows you just kind of and it's you got to bear in mind it was used as the family's car so that's what it, it's effectively an mot yeah. So with that, you have to do it regularly. So I can imagine 15 months, that kind of works out about right. Yeah, I would agree. So. That's something you really don't want to get wrong, is it? You kind of... no. No. Well, I said, you know, they're using these runabouts a lot. And like anything that needs to be maintained, including an hour every day, like, like cars. I mean, granted, I don't drive, but, you know... You need to any anything that needs to be maintained, whether it's a car or a shuttle or whatever it is, it needs to be regularly maintained, doesn't it, to keep it functioning. And particularly if it's so vital to everyday use. So in terms of staff, well, you know, they rely on these runabouts sometimes to save their save lives. So yeah, I think every 15 months brings it is a good idea because the last thing you want is to be in the middle of a battle or something. And so it goes wrong because the, flipping, the runabout hasn't been been repaired or hasn't been looked at for, for too long. So, Jamie, do you want to read out some of the missions it was involved with? Uh, yeah, I can do. Yeah. Um, so I'll just start from the top. Just let's list a few. Yeah. Um, so obviously, as you as you rightly said earlier on, uh, obviously it was used. Um, First in 2369, piloted by Cisco and Dax, which obviously on the mission to discover the Bajoran wormhole. Um, um, Kira and Bashir, they piloted the Rare Grand back to DS9 when they received a Priority 1 distress signal from the Kobliak Transport Rayab. Uh, I didn't actually find that one interesting because it's the passenger. Yeah, I wasn't even going to go for that. <laughs> um, the the rail uh, ground was deployed to rescue Cisco Bashir, Kyle Parker, and Major Kira, who were on board the rail uh, Yangtze Kang uh, when it crash landed on the moon in the Gamma Quadrant in battle right. lines. Um, the rail ground was used to pursue the hijacked USS Orinoco, um, containing Cork, Dax, and Edson. Uh, we'll see, um, Malora. Uh, for, this, for this mission, the Rio Grande was equipped with a roll bar module, but it was removed for all future missions. Because why not? Yeah. Um, um, oh, I like this one. On star date 4573.1, Cisco and uh, O'Brien explored systems uh, up in the, near the Bajoran sector aboard the Rio Grande in search of planets suitable for colonisation. Um, they found a planet transported to the surface and the Rio Grande remained in orbit until it was hijacked by uh, Alec, who, who attempted to destroy the runabout by setting its course into the system's sun. Um, I mean, it's, there's, there's, there's so many instances it was used. Um, it was also used, um, Wolfram Dax used it along with Killing the High Master Core, they took it the Rio Grande into the Gamma Quadrant to find a long lost sword of Kalis. Uh, did you want to read a few of these out as well, Sai? No, you seem to be doing alright. Oh, thank you. 
uh, we already mentioned, obviously, I mentioned earlier about um, uh, uh, bleh, blimey, Ascent as well. So uh, where it crashed onto where Odo, Odo and Quark crashed onto the um, the planet. Um, <laughs> sorry, I mean, obviously, there's a few instances where um, it was used during evacuation. So obviously. Oh, any number of fact. I mean, how many times did that? I think I, I think probably one of the first instances was um, it was used when um, the Bajoran militia turned up in early season two. Yeah, the siege. The siege. Thank you. Uh, so that's one of the instances. Um, wasn't it also used in the latter seasons when Dominion took over DS9? Wasn't it used then as well? Uh, no. It wasn't used for that. No, because they would get blown up. True. So if you remember in that episode, they escape in the cloaking uh, to fight, and um, um, Jesus, I can't think. This always happens every year, isn't it? We start an episode and we just blank. Um, the ro- Rotaran and the Rotaran. You oh, may okay. be thinking of uh, the Reckoning. That's probably what you're thinking of. Oh, okay, it must be. Yeah, it probably is. Um... But no, not not no, not with the Dominion. Just. No, Jeremy. Not not wise. <laughs> um, and Captain Cisco and Jake took the Rio Grande back to Earth in late 2374, shortly after the death of the Dax in Tears of Prophets and Shadows and Symbols. Um, and then in 2375, um, Captain Cisco, Jake. Uh, his father, along with Ezra Dax, took it to Tyree, so Benjamin Sisko could locate the orb of the emissary, in, also in shadows and symbols. Um, I've just counted, actually, um, the amount of appearances. I mean, if you want to include a simulation, you can, I suppose. Um, but it was basically almost 40 appearances. It's almost 40 episodes, which is a fair bit, isn't it? Oh, definitely. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it said it was used very often in the Senate. It said used for evacuation, used for scientific exploration. Obviously, yet they used it when they got into combat situations with other ships. So, as you as you rightly said, Sai, it's a jack of all trades, isn't it? It has multiple uses, isn't it? Should we go into a bit more about a bit more kind of technical specifications of this of the runabout? Yeah, what are you looking at? Uh, oh no, that's, that's sorry, I got, got went to the wrong place. I was looking at the wrong show. <laughs> I was looking at the Titan Ten. Is like he mentioned Daniel, and was like, yeah, that's not that's not the right one. Should we talk a bit about? Um, the, so that's on page one one hundred and fifty-three of the tech manual. Um, what was that? What, what did you say? Oh, sorry. Um, should we talk a bit more about the structure of it? So, um, it's on page 153 of the DS9 tech manual. If that's any help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, there's, there's quite a bit here, so we're just kind of going to just turn and throw away. Um, the new... I won't read all of this out, I'll just read some of it. The new class runabout is composed of seven structural component types. The main structural spine runs along the top of the vessel and is the first assembly set within the construction jig. The linear radial warp engine core and the RCS package are added to the spine with connections to nacelle pylons. 
particularly those of the uh, PTCs and the power transfer conduits. Pylons are then attached to the spine. Set beneath the pylons are the impulse propulsion modules containing separate deuterium fuel supplies from the warp core fuels. The, the last basic step in the spine assembly is attachment of the warp cells. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot comes to kind of different parts that comes together in its design. Um, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you don't, you know, you don't really think about when you watch it, do you? You think, oh, it's a shuttle, you know, it's... It's very... You know, like, I know, it doesn't sound like, like much, but it's actually quite a clever thing to try and create because that's got to be structurally sound. Because it's got to maintain its strength even if it hasn't got a modular module um, slotted into it. Mm-hmm. Even though it obviously would have one um, you know, 100% at the time. But it's got to be structurally sound so that, you know, it can be safe even if it hasn't got one slotted into it at night when you're changing it, maybe. Mm. I mean, you you get a really good look in kind of, um, you get a really good look, obviously, at in kind of in depth, didn't you, a little bit in, um, oh, was it One Little Ship? One Small Ship, whatever it's called. Were you only seeing the cockpit? Oh, oh, sorry, I got that confused with the Defiant, sorry. I just realised, yeah. <laughs> Beg your pardon. Uh, like, literally, the, there's I'm... only two rooms. Literally, there's only two rooms that you can really talk about. There's the cockpit, yeah. and then yeah. there's the aft compartment. And to connect those, I think this is a small corridor. But that's it, there's only two rooms. I mean, it, really, we only ever see the cockpit. So there's only one instance where we see the aft compartment. So to talk about the interior is kind of not worth it because the only no, thing to no, really no. talk about with the cockpit is there was a minor change between the first two seasons and the later series when they changed where the uh, transporter pad is. That's about it because beyond that it kind of... Where, where was it originally then? What, what, where, well, where did they change it to? If you look in the early seasons, it's slap bang in the middle of the cockpit, and then later on it got moved back, up, like off camera kind of thing. Oh yeah, 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 it moved them back, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. beyond that, there's that, not yeah. really much change to really talk about. It's just kind of, it's just there. It kind of does what it says on the tin. It's a cockpit with kind of, you know, science um, screens and L cars and. Um, once, so it goes on to say, um, once these five steps are completed, the, f- um, the three understung body components are added. The detachable crew cockpit, multi-mission module pack, and half a different compartment are moved into place and docked. Uh, the spine corridors, the spine contains an intrigual corridor with reconfigurable seals that make airtight the EM protected connections between the module doors and utilities conduits. A small Jeffrey's tube is also built into the spine for access to the warp core and other ship systems. So, yeah, I mean, um, uh, the runabout uh, modularity offers a wide range of mission options. Currently, there are four main sizes of available modules monoload, um, XY half load, XZ half load, and quarter load. It's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. As you said it does get very technical, but I vaguely understand what it's saying here. I mean, like, like compared to the 
TNG manuals you showed me oh, years ago now, wasn't it? So, if you flip, make... if you flip forward to one four five, it you can see what it means by that. So if you go forward a couple of pages, it will show you what it means by those modules. What go back? What what go back a few pages? No one four five. You're on one four three. If you go forward a few. Um. Uh, on the tech, on the tech man, you uh -huh. sure? Yeah. Because I, but where I was reading from, um, that was like wait, page one five three. Maybe it's maybe it's come up differently on yours because. Mine is maybe zoomed in or something because I've got it on a, a PDF file, so maybe that's that's what it is. Um, because the space, oh, oh no, oh, oh, for God's sake, my mind is just not bloody with it. Biggie pun, so I do apologise. I, I am wrong. You are right. I was looking at the page, not the actual page of the tech manual, but the actual page of the PDF document. Never mind. You're right. Biggie pun. Biggie pun. Right, so 145 you said, yeah? Yes, Jamie. This is what I mean, guys. That first episode back in the <laughs> This is what happens. I do apologise, so. Um, yeah, oh yeah, you can see it. Yeah, it does. Oh yeah. So, so you can of... see exactly what it means. So the, the first one it talks about is kind of a single large unit, which works out to be that module but as its entirety so you just put the whole thing in whereas each of those it then becomes a kind of then you have one long one and then you have the obviously these quarter ones so it's a very clever thing so kind of what they do on the ISS where they have these I mean, modular things where you can do four different science experiments in one go it's, and it's great that this tech man, tech man particularly with someone like me who said it's as I said they're not really in depth with all this kind of stuff with ships and all that kind of thing. It's great to get a visual example, so at least I can gain a bit more of an understanding as I'm reading. I mean, the, the other thing that I, I find interesting as well is, you know, when they were designing these shuttles, um, I mean, like the layout of it, I mean, do you think they based it on like real life examples and real life stuff like real life cars and that kind of stuff, like engines and that? Or? Well, they always do. They're very clever people, the designers. Why do you think I? Think... Why do you think I collect all their books? Because they're so well thought through that. Because yeah, I mean, even obviously Star Trek set far is is set far in the future. You know, they like 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 um like plots and um like you know story plots and stuff. Um, they and I, I why not do the same for the design of the ships and the shuttles? They all relate to real life in some form or fashion, don't you? So surely. There must have been some sort of inspiration when they were designing these shuttles. You know, just, you know, like drawing drawing out exactly what what these modules and components would actually look like and how it all fit together. Well, there's always a bit of science fact to everything in Star Trek, which is why I always preferred it over Star Wars. Pardon me. Um, and you've also got to bear in mind that back when the original series aired, they were the military was very surprised at the look of Star Trek because it mirrored their like their command styles mm. so they were kind of you know how did you how did you figure this out how did you work this out and I think Gene Ron because I said to him it's like well it just made logical sense mm. the other thing I want to add to it is you may probably don't know but 
But all of this does work in the real world because Mike Okuda actually designs patches for NASA. Mm. So actually all of this works into real science. It does actually work into the ISS and missions for that. Real things that are going up into space and they're actually helping our scientific knowledge, not just fictionally. It does have an impact on real life, doesn't it? And that includes, obviously, the design of, I said, design of these kind of shuttles as well, doesn't so, it? So, yes, I, I would imagine so. There is a logical sense to it. Mm, and if you yeah. go to 146, it talks about the command systems, and there might be an insight in there that might explain the logic behind its design. So okay. maybe you read that and you'll go, oh, that's quite clever. Okay, I understand. Um, the runabout cockpit design is derived from the existing hybrid shuttlecraft lifeboat escape craft systems. Ah, and has the ability to detach in an emergency and either continue in space or land on a planetary surface. The forward section contains all of the flight controls, engineering and tactical system panels. Primary flight controls are duplicated at the two central stations, but the normal configuration is to have the port station set as the mission commander's controls and the starboard station set as the runabout's pilot's controls. I wonder why that is. They, um, if you remember in some episodes, it means that they can have like co-pilots. So you have the main pilot, and then you can have a secondary one, also looking at uh, more details. So you have that, like you have that with Dax and Worf where it's mm. kind of they're both piloting it and it it's kind of goes back to commercial airlines where it's kind of everything that happens to the main pilot the um, co-pilot can always take over it's that sort of mm. logic oh I get that I just wondered why specifically the primary flight controls oh no, I suppose I suppose it is the same as um, as, as a cockpit and a plane isn't mm. it it's, it's always aft isn't it so they, yeah they've obviously they've obviously modelled uh, I see what you mean now already just from that <laughs> Yeah, they model it after kind of the design of, of actual set real life planes, because as you say, again, I've never been in a plane cockpit, but you know, watching enough films, I'm sure they're pretty much accurate. You know, the aft controls is always the primary primary flight controls, isn't it? So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, uh, the aft port station, when filled, controls the tactical systems primarily to take away a portion of the piloting crew workload. The aft uh, starboard station monitors engineering functions. All standard starship functions are controlled through the cockpit, which is uh, analogous, analogous, analogous to any large starship bridge. Um, is there any more? Oh, that, that's it for that bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just even from that brief description. You can always, as, as we've been talking, as you've mentioned, you know, clearly they've modelled the um, command systems and kind of the layout of kind of it in the cockpit, similar to to to, to, to planes. Well, the so, thing is with it, within Starfleet, you also want to do it so that you can assign personnel there who can just plug in and play, and it's like to go into environment where they're used to what the setup is. So they can go yeah. into it and know exactly where their station is without having to be trained for it, because it, because it's about fundamentally it's a small bridge. Mm. And you've got to think as well, even even within even within the kind of even within the Star Trek universe itself, you know, you think of you think of Earth, and obviously, you know, and obviously, you know, think, yeah, in 
things have obviously evolved a lot, but you know, why not? Why, 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 why change things? You don't, you don't have to change everything. So within the Star Trek universe, well, why not keep you know the, the primary controls on there? Just like you know, from their perspective, just like centuries ago, from you know commercial commercial planes and all that kind of thing. So why why change it? It works then, so why can't it work now? So even within the Star Trek universe, I think it makes logical sense anyway. So, I would definitely recommend picking up the technical manual because it's a wonderful book. It's I think it's one that I really enjoy. So I, I don't like the next gen technical manual because it is too technical for my brain or is like this is perfectly right yeah like i said i can actually vaguely understand when i'm reading this i can actually vaguely understand bits and pieces would, of it would you actually pick up a copy probably yeah. I, know, I know you've got a pdf but would you actually pick up a physical copy quite possibly i mean because me i of... know in your voice i know and it's going to hate you to say it but you're actually enjoying this episode i am whereas i, I think enterprise one you really struggled yeah, I, I think when it comes to our Starship ones, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy them, but <laughs> I, I, but I'm, no, I'm going to be honest, we, we all have our personal preferences, but I've got to be honest, they're not my most favourite kind of episodes, because as I said, I'm just, maybe it's, maybe it's partly because of the technical stuff, because a lot of it I just don't understand, but this, I said, I do vaguely get, I mean, remind me, with the TNG one, I don't know if you've looked for it recently, but no. was there as many pictures? Um... So to say, no, I don't think so. I think that's probably why. It is like very, very more. wordy. Yeah. This, this one's full of this one's full of pretty pictures as well. Yeah, it's got great visual examples which help aid what what the text is saying. So, yeah. Um. I would also say because I think if you like this tech manual, Jamie, Eagle must have just produced a handbook for Deep Space Nine. And the Defiant, which may really. may be of interest to you as well. I was going to say, and this might, and actually getting this tech manual and reading through it might be actually a good way for me to actually get a bit more into starships and shuttle designs and stuff. Well, I'd, I say I'd never force you to. Oh, I know. To enjoy starships, it's kind of it's a love that I've always enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I, I do like doing those episodes. I don't mind them, but they're not my most favourite. I don't know. try and suffer them on you too often. Is the other thing I try not to do, and it's but, just seemed like a very easy start for us because we need that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, <laughs> we really do. After after a month off, it's just like, huh, what are we doing again? And, and, and you're right, I, I think probably out of all the Starship ones we've done, this is probably the one I've actually enjoyed the most, I think. Well, it's so, the second one we've done, I think, because the other one was the Enterprise. We haven't actually done any others. Haven't we? No. Oh, okay. Big <laughs> Short list then, I don't know. Uh, no, it's okay. literally we did that one and we did that about three times, which is why probably why you're thinking it. It's more than it actually yeah. is, yeah. Literally, we've done the Enterprise and we've done this. That That's it. I haven't suffered on it too much over the past few years. But I, I do... I love doing them because it's kind of my love for them and kind of trying to share it a little bit, I think. And this is... I've quite enjoyed this, getting back into... Because every year we go into the first episode and I kind of dread it's like oh god I'd like I'll send a Christmas I love Christmas and it's just like oh god back to it back to doing another 14 episodes and and what I like about this one is obviously you know we we are obviously using 
these guys, and sorry, we are using the research and we are reading off it, but we're also kind of doing our own little bit of discussion as well, aren't we? A bit of analysis, um, which is always good. Um, I've, uh, it's a very clever design, and it's just kind of... But that's, that's what sense. comes with Starfleet. And if you go back to the first page, I love the um, design patch they gave it. I love all of their design patches, because they are just incredibly... I, I love the quirkiness to them. Do you see it, Jamie? Or it's like runabout development. You take your uh, to fleet yards. What page is this? 140. Uh, Ah, here we are. 1.40. Oh, what's right at the top of the page? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I that, love those designs. Is that, um, is, is that me? Is that a runabout with, that's got, uh, like, a bag wrapped around it or something? Like? Yeah, just because oh, it's, uh, you know, because it's the jack-of-all-trades, so it's just kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's, hauling, it's hauling cargo and that kind of stuff. And then if you go to one two one, you can see the design um, development patch for the Defiant, which is kind of off topic, but yeah. I, I just love it. And it's it wouldn't be the engaged podcast if we didn't go on a bit of a tangent. So it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of part of our little, bit of our tra- part of our trademark, I think. Uh, one two one, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Simulate this. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a clever design, and I love the it's fact in this it also talks about the um, character. It's got character. I think that's what it is. You know, it it, 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 the picture clearly explains what what the shuttle warp in, in Defiant is meant to be. So it's, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you there. Um, also, then the set manual it also talks about um, the like maintenance base, like the base that it was it within in Deep Space Nine, which is quite cool, and kind of how much room it takes up and how it all happens, which is just incredible, just kind of... Should we read a bit of that out as well? Yeah, can do. Is that in uh, Mission Objectives, or do you want me to actually read a bit for once? If you want to, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, what, I've just got to find the page first. <laughs> 140. 140. I'm glad someone's more, more on it. All runabout activities are managed from six launch launch and maintenance base constructed for the first three vehicles to reach Deep Space Nine. These bays are set into the habitat ring at 60 degree intervals between major load-bearing bulkheads. All resident quarters in the immediate vicinity of the new bays are either converted for engineering support or shielded from potential accidental detonations or other energy releases from support work. Which is just like... Talk about bad neighbours, it's like, yeah, okay, like, photon torpedoes going off and whatever Sorry. else, warp cores exploding, like, okay, um, sure. Um, Page 6, 140. Oh, there we go, yeah, yeah. All other quarters more than two levels away were untouched and received only minor reactive soundproof thing. Surface lifts off and touchdown pad is... Is the upper assembly of the runabout elevator system. Pad includes all navigation, RF, and subspace comades. I couldn't quite work out what RF stands for, but I'm sure someone will know. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch your read, I'll see if I can look it up. There might be in a glossary, there might be a glossary at the back, I haven't looked through this back in forever. Um, 
uh, car maids approach and departure lighting and auto capture tractor, tractor mooring strips. Once aligned by an approach vector subsystem, mooring strips provide an EM based electromagnetic based hard docking latch up to elevator. The Mason's Bay interior is spacious enough to support a single runabout and at least two shuttle craft. So that's a big bay. And if you go to the next page, it does show you how big it is. Um, oh, well, the, uh, the, just the bay. Yeah. Mason's Bay, sorry. So if you go to 142, it shows you, and it's just <laughs> huge. With the elevator lowered it to its fully oh re retract position, the overhead entry door can be sealed. Force field generators are also in place to provide a temporary atmosphere restraint in the event the door cannot be fully closed. Runabout entry and exit can be made through a removable airlock and transfer tunnel or through the main cabin entry hatch via a, a shirt sleeve or pressure suit environment. The runabout swappable modules are serviced in the space adjacent to the elevator pad. All cargo science and fence payloads can be loaded, cleaned and repaired within the two-level facility. Major overhauls to the runabout can be also performed within the maintenance fixtures. The elevator is a hybrid electro-hydraulic and stored tension mechanism capable of lifting a massive two and a half times that of a runabout, which is crazy, which itself typically masses 158.7 metric tons. In many cases, the pre-lift sequence involves detuning the local gravitational mat to reduce the stresses on the elevator system. So I think that effectively means it um, lowers the weight of the shuttle so that it doesn't put too much stresses on the elevator systems. That's really impressive, though. Just how big the landing space is, and just oh, it's, it's just incredible. Um, I've, I've just had a brief look. I think the, the RF. I think it's I think it's on like radio frequencies or something. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just have a look. I think that's probably what it's roughly referring to, our, our kind of equivalent of every day, because it says about navigational life from subspace comades, doesn't it? So yeah, that makes sense. I'm surprised I didn't work that bit out, but yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thank, thanks, Jeremy. That's alright. Yeah, it's, like it's, 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 I say I like this one. I don't look at it far enough, but I do enjoy this tech manual. It's nice, easy read. Yeah. And as I said, I can vaguely understand. I won't, I can't, I've got to be honest, I can't understand everything I've read, but I understand bits and pieces of it, which is better than the blooming. No offence to the TNG one. I'm, if you're if you're very into technical stuff, and and then I'm sure it's a great book. But for, for just for us, it just doesn't work as well. It's just too technical for us. Well, fortunately, yeah. in that case, Egon must have also done a Enterprise D uh, handbook, which is kind of slightly easier and is kind of melding between I think tech manual and like the fact files which is slightly easier to read yeah but yeah I it's an incredible leadership for what it is and the size of the thing mm. and again as I said there's a lot more that I know about now that I didn't think or even know previously so it's, it's said this, this doing this has definitely been an eye opener and as you said I've I certainly wouldn't mind doing a, um, another one of these. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a few years or something. Maybe another uh, shuttle profile or 
or something. I was just thinking, um, I, 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 I think you'd really like this. What's um, one of your favourite ship designs in Voyager? I knew you were going to say this. Don't to fly? Yeah. <laughs> when you think about Shuttlecraft, there's only a certain number that you can go to where I'm not sure there's enough, though. The only reason this works quite well is because it's in a tech manual, and Voyager actually never really got one. It never no, really got no, one. Shame. Um, but no, I definitely would like to do one of these uh, some sometime in the future, a few years or whatever. Because I said I've, I've really enjoyed doing this, and as you say, it's yeah, it's, it's we're really saying it is kind of technical what we've been talking about, but it's not too heavy going, particularly for a first episode, as you said. It's a nice way to ease us back into things. And actually, I think I've got to say this as well. So I know we. A few times, particularly me, I know a couple of times I kind of lost our train of thought bit. But actually, I think for a first episode back, I think we've actually done pretty well. I think we've actually got back into the, the swing of things pretty smoothly. And that was the point. Yes. That's what I always <laughs> try and do with these episodes, try and get us back on track so that we actually know what the hell we're doing. Because it's very, very easy to choose an episode and get it completely 100% wrong and we're going, huh? That's why I like these sort of episodes where it's nice and concise and you know what we know what we're doing. Yeah. And this has kind of worked how I wanted it to, so I'm glad there's not going to be another part to it because that would have bothered me no end. No, I, I think I think we've covered a pretty good amount of what's here. Um... But I, guys, I would pick up the technical manual, although I'm pretty certain most of you, if not all of you, have read up the technical manual. So I'd say in that case, reread it. And, Jamie, I would definitely say pick it up, because I think you would actually love it, even though I bet you... I bet you, because by our, our inference, an hour and a half ago, I bet you you weren't thinking about considering picking one up. I'd either pick up the technical manual, because it's a great bit of fiction for a book of its age, um, and I'd also consider picking up the Eagle Moss... Um, not Delta Flyer, I mean, the, um, although, <laughs> to be fair, the Delta Flyer will probably be in the Voyager version of that book, the the Pan book, the Eagle Moss Pan book as well. Um, yeah, but I think that's us done talking about the Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Yeah, and uh, I don't, and I'm actually impressed because I think you, you, when we chatted... Um, the other day, you actually said, oh, yeah, I bet this will be like a two-hour episode. I think it's only been about an hour. Maybe just over. So, we've done very well. I think we've covered pretty much most of it. So, I'm impressed. And, yeah, um, so next time around, we are doing the Star Trek uh, Picard Season 1 Retrospective, which is going to be very interesting. Yes. And then, because... We referenced it in the last year, but we never really said what we were on about. But February is different. February is very, very different because what's happening is we are revisiting the TMP challenges. We're remastering it because I wasn't happy with how the first one went. Yeah, we did that back, was it 2018? Forever ago. Just forever ago, and I wasn't pleased. So we're redoing that. 
But the interesting thing to February is that the second episode is actually something we have actually been busy with. Well, we have. Isn't that our is that our second episode or third? Um, still to be decided, Jeremy. Okay. How how things are working? Because I'm. We'll get to that eventually. I'm just not sure when. To... Right. That's one. That's one. We're doing it. It's just I don't quite know times ways, and they'll hear about it. Um. And this is a significant. What are you guys talking about? Why are they talking <laughs> riddles again? Yeah. But the second episode, February, is quite cool, and we've actually been working on that since November last year. Well, yeah. I kind of I have, but Jamie is doing it now-ish. What it is, is something, again, something I've wanted to do for ages, and is actually quite strange and quite weird, and really outside of our remit, or kind of nothing, we, nothing we've never done before. Yeah, we are doing a behind-the-scenes episode for the preceding Challenges episode. joint together but we've been recording our own individual logs of the process of getting this TP episode uh, redo done but also just generally the process of what else, else is going on behind the scenes um, I've still got at this point I've still got to do some I've still got to do um, as I've done half of the TP challenges but I need to do yeah because um, what we what we did is this time around instead of doing what was it 30 questions for each thing i think yeah because yeah, right. i we did i did 30 episode plots summaries for jamie and he did 30 star trek starships because why not pictures for me which were a little bit convoluted i was never quite happy with it so this time around and this is stupid because i can never remember the name of it we've used the starship starship handbook 105 and from that I am really going to be given the stats and I have to try and work out what it is which is a horrible challenge but is much it's, more yeah. fair it's much fairer than what was last time because last time it's too easy and just kind of didn't work I was never pleased with it so we're doing that and I did a bit of working out and I think it was it 130 100 and how many ships now, yeah. why can I not remember? I worked this thing out months ago, weeks ago. Over, over 100 ships, and I've got to pick 15 uh, starships on stats of ships for Simon. And from their stats, he's got to try and figure out what the starship actually is. We're also, for each other, doing um, was it 15 episode quotes as well. Yes. Uh, and we've got to guess, obviously, what the... the, the, the oh, that's it. Um, the name of the character that said that quote, isn't it? And we've actually 136, 136 starships there we total. Go. There we go, yeah. Um, and obviously, from those quotes, you've got to try and guess, obviously, what the character, what character said that quote. And we've actually gone up to date for once in our poor little lives, for once in our lives. So we've actually taken them from Picard and Discovery and a little bit from Lower Decks because it's a little bit convoluted because... Jamie saw them months ago. I have yet to see them because legality. Well, 
actually for you I haven't included one from Lower Decks. That's good. Uh, because obviously you haven't watched it yet. But if you want to include, well, I'll say one for me. No, you're not. Ah, uh, nah. nah. But not gonna um, happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah I've, I've tried to include literally at least one quote from every Star Trek series, and even one from the original series and TNG films and Kelvin. I've tried to encompass at least one from everything in the franchise, at least one quote from. You know, there's obviously more than others. It'll be, be a variety. Bit of um, kind of differentiation the amount I've used, but I've tried to at least include one quote from every series slash era of films. So next month's a little bit interesting because we've got that happening, yeah. and then we've got the behind the scenes thing. So I'm going to be busy trying to um, yeah. collaborate all uh, of those logs together because I've been that's the, that's the thing we've both been doing them, but we don't quite know what the others said about what's going yeah, on and stuff. No, I'm doing that. Are you? Hmm. Oh yeah, of course, yes, big upon you. Yes, you did, you did say that, yeah. Just, just remind people, this is what I have to deal with every year. <laughs> so, um, at some point, obviously, you'll want my logs when you sign. Yes, sir. But, right, this okay. is how this works. Right, okay. right, fair enough. Right. So, yeah, that's going on. So, no yeah, doubt on. from it, you will have what we maybe what we say before the episode and maybe what we say yeah. after the episode and um, i might also try and show, shed a bit of light on the editing of the episode as well at least from my end yeah because um actually I, I don't know if i told you so but i because you've got to bear in mind most of my i mean you could say oh i mean jamie you, know, you could just set it up a bit crazy in here but i haven't actually used my microphone to record these logs i've just used you know, you know when I did that episode with my dad years ago? Yeah. How I, how I did that, it, it was just recorded all by the speakers on Audacity or whatever it is. That's how I've done the logs. I hope that's all right. I've, I've, I have listened to I it. I left you to it, so it's it up to you, Jamie. So I've I've done it with a fancy mic. I've, I I've, gone, I've done it properly. I know. I, I just thought they weren't that long, and I just thought, just... <laughs> it's, it's a bit of laziness, I've got to be honest. It's true. <laughs> Being honest, I know that's what we always try and do. Um, Literally, just... this is the first I've heard of it, so yep, yeah, okay, whatever, that's the way Jamie does it, and then I no doubt. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off balance there. I, I thought I told you, but I don't think nope. I just realised I don't think I did. No. Nope. Anyway. And no uh, doubt, in probably a few months' time, Jamie will be going, hmm, I wish I'd done it properly now, but never mind, I'm, I look forward to that occasion happening when that happens. Yeah, um, hmm. so yeah, that's, oh, that's it all sounds better, Sai. Yeah, I know, yeah, I kind of... I know, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I bet Sai will do it, will do it. Um, but yeah, so... On your head, be it! Yes, on your head, be it! Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what's coming up within the next few episodes. Yeah, and now this episode's out, the schedule is also up, so you can actually see what's going ahead. But with everything that's still going on in this world... I have to play it very safe, and it is very, very, very much subject to strange because, yeah, my God, there's say. two episodes I really want to do, but it won't let me do it, and it will probably be postponed for another two years because why the hell not? Not that I've had at least one of them prep for, I don't know, a year? Maybe two now? I don't know, but, oh, fun. Yeah. 
So yeah, just be just be aware, particularly in Simon's after year. Yeah, the, the schedule will. Twenty twenty two might be their year finally. And I've already said to Jamie, they are going in February, and I, God damn it, I don't care anymore. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're oh, so I want to really do happy. them. No, I know. <sighs> um, is there any other bit of uh, housekeeping we want to say? We're back. We we're literally back, and we're not. Yeah. As Jamie said at the beginning, I pushed myself, pushed myself quite hard last year, so I'm not doing it as much this year. I think no. the world's in a slightly better place than it was in, say, March of last year and that whole yeah, crowd, so I'm still putting in some extra stuff, but yeah, it's not it's not as come. much as no, last year no. because I, I'm not sure I could. I no. Literally, I sort of said to Jamie, what, about a week ago, I'm still burnt out from last year. I think, which is why I'm not gonna. I'm still trying to do crazy things, because like I said, literally, I said to Jamie last year, I did um, Star Trek Pictionary on Twitter and social media and Facebook for an entire month. I did a giveaway, and then I also hastily put out an extra. How many extra episodes is this? It's like seven. That's collectively. I think I put out probably what five or six of those so in, in the kind of all the things that we did so it's I did a lot last year so I'm not gonna do as much it's still gonna be a interesting year it's still gonna be a hectic year for me because I'm trying to get new guests onto the show because there are some amazing people out there that I think need to get on the show to talk about various things and there are things that I really want to do with them and things that I really want to revisit so challenges is one of them and we're also going back to our teaser our first teaser episode we're actually going to go back to that topic again and see how much has changed in what is now seven years See if our thoughts have changed or if they're the same. That's going to be an interesting discussion with someone that hasn't been on. Hopefully, hopefully we can get. Um, yeah, and as ever, we've got our season review. So that's season seven of next year, which is going to be very interesting in its own way. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and then going to Jamie's, we've also got the thing of possibly two conventions depending on where the world is at that point in time yeah, um, got season three retrospective of discovery um, <laughs> um, yeah. spoiler alert get your ten, ten hats out for that yeah <laughs> I would say for that one but yeah we'll yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at that point well, cause... I think if you guys have listened to our half retrospective half theory episode of season three last year you never know quite what to call that one do you no i'll just say half, half retro <laughs> half theory retro retro theory perspective yeah no. that thing whatever <laughs> you know what he means yeah if you listen back to that if you haven't guys already you'll get a sense of what we feel about season three where we where we watched up to where the show was so that kind of will give you an inkling kind of how we felt about the rest of the season but 
you guys, you know, we'll, we'll, that'll be later in the it year. It kind of gives us the burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go, perfect, yeah. That was just yeah. written, it's just like, oh, just, 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 some of you already know, just, just, no, don't go there, because it doesn't end well. But yeah, we've done this one, and I feel a bit energised. I actually feel a bit energised now that we've done it. We're off, we're going, we're doing, and we're rewatching Picard, which can't be bad because it doesn't begin with a D. That's right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching uh, season one of Picard. I'm not saying I'm gonna like, love every aspect of it, but we haven't watched that since it came out. Which was amazingly the beginning of last year before everything went kaput. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And from what I can vaguely remember of season one, I think I quite enjoyed it. I mean, who knows? My opinion may have completely changed. I might absolutely detest it now. I might absolutely love it more. I don't know. But it can't be as bad as the other thing. True, true. Uh, Yeah, anyway. um, So, yeah, (laughs) looks looks forward to you guys. But, yeah, we hope you enjoyed. first episode back um, and yeah we'll see you again soon for our season one uh, retrospective of Star Trek Picard yes talk to you then and we'll see you soon bye guys, okay, guys. Bye. bye